Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you are doing well. Had a good week. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be back together so we can continue the series we've been doing that we started last week called The God Jesus Knows. <clears throat> and what we said last week is that all of us, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you used to be a Christian and now aren't, whether you like church, don't like church, where, you know, no matter where a person is in their faith, everyone has an idea that they believe God is that way. Everybody has an understanding. Everybody has a view of God. Not only of God, we all have a view of God, but we also have a view of ourselves. We also have a view of how God interacts with us. All of us, whether, whether, whether he exists or not, is a view of God. We all have an idea and understanding, a narrative that plays in our mind about who God is, who we are, and how all that works together, and therefore how life works. We all have those ideas. And, and what we don't sometimes know <clears throat> is that those ideas almost dictate how we do life. They impact us in ways that we sometimes don't want to admit. Sometimes it's just like, no, 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 I just like that. But why? <laughs> why do we like? Why do we do that? And usually what we find is deep down inside us, there's a view that we have of life, of how life works, of God, of ourselves, and how all that comes together. Um, I think our view of God impacts everything about us. It impacts the decisions we make, how we live life. It impacts how we do relationships. It impacts how we do marriage, how we raise kids. It impacts our view of ourselves as well. Uh, it impacts everything about us. And the sad thing about that is this, that there are so many views of God. <laughs> there are so many ways of understanding God and, and just all over the world. And some of them are really unfortunate. Some of them are really sad. Some of them are difficult. Some of them are harsh. But there are so many views. And when you take all these different views and you kind of match them up to see if they line up with what Jesus said, some of them don't even line up, and yet they are so all over the place, we, and we've grown up with them, and they're so stuck in our hearts sometimes that we just kind of go with them. And it sometimes makes it hard to know what do we believe, what should we believe, what, who is God, and what is He like? So because of that dynamic, we decided to take a few weeks as we kick this year off and ask an important question. And the question is this, and I'd love for all of us to ask this question if we, if we can. <clears throat> what do I believe about God? Who do I think he is? What do I really believe about God? And does what I believe actually line up with what Jesus said? What do I believe? And, and I don't just mean on a Sunday when you're sitting in church and the word, music has just finished because that's like awesome. It's like, okay, I believe he's awesome. No, but, but when life happens, when you walk out of here and something really bad happens in your life or you have questions or someone challenges you, because it's usually in those moments that what I really believe about God comes out, right? And church is like, oh, er, er, kumbaya, this is awesome. You know, what do I really believe about God when life happens? And that version of God that I believe in that's kind of below the surface, does that version line up with the God Jesus knows? That's why we're doing this series. And, and today, what I want to do is I want to hit a pretty big one. <laughs> A pretty big idea about God that is, it's all over the place. It's in Christian circles. It's outside of Christian circles. It's, a, it's an idea that I think all of us bump into at some point in our lives. It's an idea that, in fact, I think probably sneaks into our hearts and in our minds in ways that we sometimes don't even recognize. And yet, even, even though I believe all of us at some point in our lives believes this thing about God, it is an idea about God that makes us not want to follow him. 
It's an idea about God that makes us not want to know him because we don't really want to know a God like that. And it's an idea that if you do believe that and if you're religious, it's an idea that probably makes your religion drive you to fear and and, and anxiousness around your relationship with God. And yet, as we're gonna see today, Jesus, who according to Christianity came to explain who God was in a more full way, he speaks directly into this, and I'm so glad he did. Otherwise, I think we'd wrestle with this even more. He speaks directly into this idea, and he actually contradicts what so many of us think God is like. So what is this idea that we're gonna look at today? To put it bluntly, it's the belief that God is an angry judge who wants to punish sin in this life and the next. There is a belief, and it's, it's all over the place. I'll kind of build the case if I can. There's a belief that, that God is an angry judge, and he's on the lookout because he wants to punish sin in this life and the next. Now, that's a blunt way to put it. And if I ask you, do you believe that, many of you will go, some of you are going to go, yes, isn't that right? <laughs> isn't that how it is? Isn't that what he's like? That, aren't there scriptures that sort of say that? Some of you are going to be there. Others of you are going to go, nah, that's a little harsh. I don't really believe that. But my guess is for all of us, a little bit of this floats around inside of us somewhere. And the reason it floats around inside of us is because that's kind of how life works, isn't it? Isn't it like life and all the places we go, someone's looking to see if we're going to make a mistake. And if we make a mistake, we're punished for it. I mean, when you break a rule, don't you get punished? If you're playing sport, you break a rule, a yellow flag comes out. And the Titans don't win? Let's just move on, sorry. But isn't, doesn't life work like that? Like when you break a rule, you get punished. When you, you, know, you speed past a camera, what do you do when you drive past a police officer on the road? Isn't it like just, just human, you go, <gasps> why? Because we're worried we're gonna be punished. We're worried, am I doing something wrong? There's something in us. When you speed past a camera, you usually get a ticket in the mail. Ah. there's a punishment. If you break the law, there's legal repercussions. You grow up, you break your parents, you disobey your parents. You have to face consequences. You don't study enough, you get a bad grade. Life teaches us that if you do wrong, you get punished. So isn't that how God acts as well if life does that? And then on top of that reality of life, aren't there scriptures that literally say that God's gonna punish you if you don't do what he says? Aren't there literally scriptures? Like even like the description of the 10 commandments, doesn't it say if you don't do this, I will curse you. If you do this, I'll bless you. Doesn't it like say that in our Bible? So isn't that true? And so because that's all over the place, there is something in us, whether you're a Christian or not, there's something in all of us that has this idea floating around in there that God is an angry judge who wants to punish sin in this life and the next. And if you don't work really hard to please him, you're gonna face some sort of consequences. He's gonna get angry and judge you for it. If you disobey him and break one of his commands, he'll get mad and punish you some way, shape, or form in this life, you'll feel it, and he will condemn you for eternity. Isn't that who God is? Now, I don't know. Again, for some of us, that's a major belief of ours. That's how we live. That's, isn't that Christianity? Isn't that what God's like? For others of us, it's a little more subtle. But here's why this is important. If you believe that, if you believe that God is looking for when you're going to mess up, 
looking how he's gonna punish you through maybe some form of loss or suffering in this life, and he's gonna punish you in the next. If that forms part of the foundation of your understanding of God, it will impact how you relate to him. It will impact whether you love him or not, or just scared of him. It will impact how you follow him. It will impact how you read the Bible. It will impact how you feel and how you relate to others. It will impact how you react when you sin or when someone else sins. It will impact the judgment that comes up or the condemnation. That It will impact all of that. It'll impact how you live out your faith. It'll impact what you think about God and it'll impact what you think about yourself and how all that works together. It's going to impact you. Let me, let me ask you, have you ever wondered when something went wrong in your life, why is God doing this? What have I done wrong? Have you ever wondered that? Why, what have I done wrong? Why is God doing this? Have you ever heard Christians say when something bad happens in the world, well, God's punishing them? Have you ever heard that? I have. <clears throat> when 9-11 happened, I remember prominent Christians saying that God is punishing New York for all their sins. I remember when the tsunami happened. I don't know if you guys remember the tsunami in Indonesia that killed hundreds of thousands of people. I remember people saying, it's because those people are this, this, and this that God is punishing them. I remember when the tornado hit Chattanooga. There was a guy standing at the circle coming towards the church building with a big sign condemning everybody. I remember it happened in our city right here. There is this thought that when bad things happen, it must be God doing something to punish someone for their sins because God is an angry judge who wants to punish sin in this life and in the next. And if, if, that, if there's a little bit of that belief in our hearts, it's gonna impact not just our faith, but our lives and how we see ourselves, how we navigate our own sin, how we navigate other people's sin, how we raise our kids, how we treat people, all of that. How we, and also, how we handle it when bad things happen to us. It's gonna come out then if this forms a part of the foundation of our understanding of who God is. That's why this, this series, what we're looking at in this series is so important because the idea of the series is this. Whenever we bump into some idea or understanding or belief about God, and we're wondering, is that right, is that real? We must ask the question, very important question. We must ask, is this understanding of God consistent with the God Jesus knows? When I bump into these things, is this understanding of God consistent with the God Jesus knows? Because Christianity teaches that God came to, Jesus came to explain who God is. And so if we can do that, navigate, oh God, this is what they say, this is what they say, this is what I feel, this is what I'm experiencing, is what I'm feeling, is what they're saying, is what I'm reading, consistent with the God Jesus knows. And as we're gonna see, and I'm so grateful Jesus spoke directly into this question. It's not like, did he really, did that really? No, no, he spoke directly into this, and I'm so glad, otherwise we'd struggle with this. But here's what we will see, that Jesus spoke directly into it, and this picture that God is an angry God, an angry judge that wants to punish us for our sins, in this life and in the next, is not the God of Christianity, according to Jesus. And, and I wanna look at that, I wanna show you where Jesus spoke directly into this. In Luke chapter 13, verse one, if you have a Bible, you can turn there, we'll put it up on the screen though. But Luke chapter 13, verse one, there's this moment that comes up that explains and Jesus speaks into this. He says this. <clears throat> now there were some present at the time who were around with Jesus who came and told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now what does that mean? But if you 
understand what these people, kind of their religious uh, observances were, you understand what he's saying. Basically, we don't know exactly what happened, but there were a group of people from Galilee, the Galileans, who had gone to the temple to worship and make sacrifices to worship God. And as they were doing that, Pilate, who was the governor, a bit of a tyrant, came in and for some reason, he killed them. And he, he spilled their blood so that it was mixed with the blood of the sacrifices they had just made. So here's a group of people worshiping God. Pilate came in and did something horrible and an evil person just killed them as they're worshiping. It's a horrible event. It's a horrible moment. So, so, so people come and tell Jesus about what Pilate did, killed these people while they're worshiping. Like what on earth just happened? And Jesus' response is so brilliant. And the reason he says what he says is because he knows that the dominant belief in that culture was when something bad happened, they thought it's because they sinned. It's because they did something bad and God was punishing them. So he speaks directly into that. Uh, look, look at what he says, verse two. Jesus answered, he asked a question. Do you think that these Galileans who were killed while they were worshiping, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? <laughs> so he asks directly into that point. When people are suffering, when pain happens, is that God punishing them for some sin they've done? That's what he asks. Do you think they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? And I love that Jesus doesn't make it unclear. He answers this so clearly. Do you think that they were worse sinners because they suffered this way? Look at his next words, verse three. I tell you, no. <laughs> no. Nope. Can I be any more clear? No. And I think what he's saying here is that the way you understand it, that suffering is as a result of God punishing you for your sin, do you think that happened here? Nope. Suffering in this life and this situation is not a result of God punishing you for your sin. That's not how it works. Jesus <laughs> says that. He says something else. We're gonna come back to that. But a moment later, he refers to another group who also suffered. The first group suffered as a result of an evil action of some broken human being. The next action he talks about is, is not some person, but it's the brokenness of this life. Some maybe natural disaster happened or something. But in verse four, he says this. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Don't know how, don't know what happened, but some natural disaster happened and a bunch of people died. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? Again, the question, are they suffering because they did something wrong and God's punishing them for it? Verse five, again, very clear. I tell you, no. No. I love that he speaks so clearly. Again, this kind of suffering in the world does not originate with God trying to punish someone for their sin. And then Jesus says something so profound, so brilliant, so important, and yet, because we have this narrative that God's trying to punish us for our sin in this life and the next, that's what he wants to do. We don't understand the next statement. We put it in the category of God's an angry judge who wants to punish us, but he literally just said that's not how it works. So, so even though he just said it, we sometimes put it in that category because Jesus says these next words that are hard to understand if you don't understand what he's saying. He says, unless you repent, you too will all perish. So when we read words like that in our dominant thought that God's after us and he's looking where we do wrong, that he can punish us in this life and the next, when we read something like repent or perish, in fact, that's the words that were on the sign around our circle after the tornado. Repent or perish. 
But the context is Jesus literally saying this is not as a result that they were sinners or more guilty or anything. So what does he mean by repent and, or perish? What does he mean unless you repent as he talks to the crowd? You too will all perish. Well, I think we need to understand the word repent and understand what he's saying with perish. And here's, here's how I understand it. The word repent is the Greek, Greek word metanoia. And metanoia, the, the, the root of that is not, you better change and stop being you. No, the root of that is change, changing my mind, to change one's mind. It does have a part that, that my life changes eventually, but it doesn't start there. It says, hey, what if we changed our understanding? What if we changed our mind about this? It will change and impact everything about us, which is the basic premise of the series. If we change our understanding of who God is, it changes everything else, because that is where the foundation is. But Jesus says, repent, which means to change one's mind, adopt another view. And I think what Jesus is saying, he's just come slamming into a typical view of God. And he said, nope. That's not how it works. And then he says the word repent, which means change your mind. I think he's saying, hey guys, I would love for you to rethink how you know God. I would love for you to question your understanding is that they sinned, that's why this horrible evil thing happened to them, this, this, this suffering. No, 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 that's not how it works, Jesus says. I want you to change your mind about who God is. And then he says, unless you change your mind, you too will also perish. So what does he mean by that? Well, perish, it's like this fancy Bible word that we don't typically use. You don't use that in your language. Like, ah, I have a friend who perished. No, we talk about death. But the reality is, all of us as humans, we're all gonna perish. That's normal. That's expected, right? We're all gonna die, every one of us. And Jesus is speaking into our greatest fear. You're all gonna die. Death comes to all of us. Us. And Jesus says, but if you can change your mind about who I am, I am coming into this world where death happens. I'm going to take death and I'm going to offer you life. And he says, all of us are going to die one day. All of us are going to face death. But if we can know who he really is, that he is this good and beautiful God that comes offering life and hope and peace that even in the greatest thing that we're gonna face, death in the end, we will not have to face that alone, that he can overcome death and give us life even in that. But he says, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know what God is really like, that it's not this angry judge that's looking how he can punish you, but he's a good God that wants to bring life. And unless you know that, if you can trust that, if you can know that, you'll find life in him. It's incredible. So he says all that, but I think the main point, you know, that's that last statement, but it's on the heels of this incredible point that Jesus was making here, that those people who died, everybody's gonna die, everyone. We're all gonna die, just like those people, and they face an unfortunate death. Everybody's gonna die, but he says the point is this, those people who died as a result of the evil of somebody else or as a result of the brokenness of this world, that had nothing to do with God wanting to punish their sin. Jesus literally says that, and I think Jesus wanted, to wanted people to understand God here. That when it came to suffering and brokenness in this world, while so many people assume this is God punishing because I did something wrong. What did I do wrong? What did you do wrong? Why? The whole society in that time, whenever anybody struggled, they were like, he did something wrong. And Jesus is going, no, 
It doesn't work that way. And you know how he did it? He entered into the brokenness, which is phenomenal, by the way. It's ridiculous that God entered into the brokenness. And, and if you think about this, who was the person who killed the Galileans? It was Pontius Pilate. Who was the person who killed Jesus? It was Pontius Pilate. The same guy. But Jesus spoke about it saying, no, no, no. And did Jesus do anything deserving of death? No. And yet he faced the same thing, kind of put an exclamation mark on the fact that it's not how it works. And Jesus wanted us to understand that, yes, we live in a broken world. Broken things are going to happen as a result of our own broken actions, as a result of other people's broken actions, as a result of the broken world. But it's not God trying to punish you for your sin because you did something wrong and he's after you. That's not who he is. And he showed it by entering into the broken world and experiencing the same brokenness that those people experienced, that we experienced. And in doing all that, I think Jesus was coming to say, hey, 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 I know you have this idea of God that he's wanting to punish sin in this life or the next. I wanna show you there's a different part of who he is. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And so we're gonna get to explain that a bit more, but there's another time when Jesus speaks into it. And, and this one's kind of even more close to home for me and even more close to home as we think about this because it refers to some other scriptures that seem to say that God wants to punish sin. So in John chapter nine, verse one, Jesus comes into another situation where somebody is facing suffering and people think it's because he sinned. Like the disciples actually ask it. John chapter nine, verse one, it says this. As Jesus went along, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi or teacher, Rabbi, who sinned? Like, that's their first question. The guy's blind from birth. Who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, <laughs> it's wild that they asked that question, but there's two big things that I think of when, when, when you see that they ask that question. The first thing that I realize is they really believed that this guy was blind because either he sinned pre-birth somehow in the womb. They really believed that he could be blind because either he sinned or because his parents sinned, which I don't know which was worse, but they really believed that. That's how they believed God operated. They really did. And this is his disciples. And Jesus is coming to go, so they really believe it. But the other cool thing, and this is awesome, they also really believed that Jesus could clarify it. The fact that they asked this, they believed Jesus could actually say what God is like. That's how they saw him. It's pretty cool. So let's get back to the reason they actually believed that it's because his parents sinned or he sinned that he was born blind. You know why they believed that? Because they learned it from their scripture. And this is where it gets a little difficult. Because isn't their scripture, if you're a Christian, isn't that our scripture? And they actually learned it from a description of the Ten Commandments. And aren't the Ten Commandments like Christian as well? Like, how does that all work? Like, Wait a minute, let me show you the scripture. And this is where it gets difficult because these were Jewish people. They grew up with this understanding of God. Here's this, as Moses in Exodus chapter 20, verse four, Moses is describing the second commandment. I mean, this is it, the second commandment, which is not to have idols. And here's what he says in Exodus 20, verse four. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, on earth beneath, in the waters below. So in other words, don't make an image of something on this earth. And then he says, verse five, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And this is where he gets to this difficult thing. 
I'm a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents. That's who I am. What do you do with that? Punishing the sin of the, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. So this is really tough to get around because isn't that the same God? What do you do with that? And this is what these guys grew up with. No wonder they believed that someone, that their parents sinned, and now this kid or this man, grown man, had been blind from birth. No wonder they asked the question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? But again, here's what's so important. If ever you bump into something that makes you go, whoa, is God like that? Or if ever you bump into someone saying something, even if it's in the Bible, you read something in the Bible, you're like, okay, what does this mean? Oh no, I've heard this, I've heard this, what does this mean? The most important thing we can do is, is to go, whenever there's a difficulty in understanding God, Christianity teaches, go ask what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? And compare that understanding of God to the God Jesus knows. What did he have to say? And the beautiful thing about this scenario is Jesus spoke directly into it. He spoke directly. So in, in, in John 9 verse 2, it says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They asked that because of what they had experienced in Exodus and the Ten Commandments. Who sinned? And in John chapter 9 verse 3, Jesus answers this question very, very clearly. He says this, neither, neither this man nor his parents sinned. <laughs> Wait, what? Doesn't that look like Jesus is kind of adjusting the Ten Commandments? Is he allowed to do that? Doesn't it look like, wait, 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 wait. They believe that because it seems like the Ten Commandments said that. How could he do that? Because it seems like Jesus is changing the story. It seems like he's changing their understanding of God. And he was. But I mean, he had the opportunity right now to affirm the dominant thinking that God is this angry judge who wants to punish sin, even the sins of parents to kids, that he wants to do that. That's That's who he is. He had the opportunity to affirm that right here. And he didn't. He could have said, yep, that's exactly how it works, but he didn't. How? Why? In fact, he didn't only not not, go with it. He didn't only contradict it in word. He contradicted it in action. You know why? Because right after this, he healed the guy. And if he believed that this guy's suffering was a just punishment for what he had done, he would have left it. But Jesus didn't only contradict their understanding with word, he did it with with action, he healed him. So he contradicted their understanding of God with a miracle from God. Their understanding of God was contradicted by Jesus by a miracle from God. And in that he was challenging how they understood God. But here's the really important question, how could he do that? How could Jesus literally take one of the 10 commandments and seemingly adjust it? How could he, but he did, like you read that. I mean, it's right there. How, how could he do that? Here's the amazing thing about Christianity. Jesus didn't adjust the 10 commandments. He fulfilled them. That's why he could do this. He didn't come and say, let's change it all. God was wrong. (laughs) He was God. He was with God. All the stuff was there. He didn't come and change it. He fulfilled And here's the thing, if we trust what Jesus did, if we know and trust the God Jesus knows, trust what he's done for us, we can be free from the punishment attached to those commandments. It's beautiful. In fulfilling these commandments, he gave us an understanding of God that we didn't have the full picture of yet. Let me see if I can explain this. 
I've said some of this before, but, but I wanna try and explain how these 10 commandments and what Jesus said comes into it. Let me start by kind of backing up to who God is. God is holy. He is just. God is perfect. And you know what? No matter how much we fight that and struggle, we need him to be holy, perfect, and just. You know why? Because if he wasn't perfect, we wouldn't want him to be God. If he wasn't perfectly holy, perfectly just, we wouldn't want him to be God. Do you know why? Because if ever he made a mistake, (laughs) we'd be like, "Uh uh-uh. And if ever his mistake impacted me, (laughs) I wouldn't want that. I don't want a God like that. We need God to be perfect perfect in everything he does. We need him to be just. We need him to be holy. But that creates another problem. As much as we need that, otherwise we couldn't trust him, we don't like it that much. Do you know why? Because we're not perfect, holy, and just. Because <laughs> that creates a problem. If he's really perfect, and I know how imperfect I am, I fall far short. But the problem goes further. If he's perfect and just, he must punish injustice. And I am unjust. I don't live up to his standards. And so there's this problem that's created. We need him to be perfect. We are not, and so therefore there's this discrepancy, this problem, and and, and if we're gonna trust him, he must punish injustice, just like our legal system. If our legal system didn't punish injustice, we would not trust it. So there's this problem. We want him to be just and perfect and holy, but we don't, because we're not, and then there's this punishment thing that comes into place. And it's uncomfortable, and as uncomfortable as it is, we still need that to be a reality, that injustice and sin must be punished. But somehow when Jesus came, he didn't affirm something that God said in the Ten Commandments. Why? How? Here's why. Because Jesus knew something about God that was always true, but the world didn't know it. Yes, the world kind of knew he was just. The Ten Commandments shows that. The Old Testament shows God is just. He's holy. We know that from that. But there's a part of God that Jesus knew that the world didn't know, and that is this, that God is not just just. He's also good. He's also good. He's also loving. And the picture that they had was just justice, just perfection, just holiness. And Jesus came and said, but you don't know this other part. He is good. He is so, so good. And that's the part that Jesus wanted us to understand as well. And nobody understood that in the way that Jesus came and expressed it. And his justice was seen in the Ten Commandments, which come again. So how does Jesus contradict seemingly one of the Ten Commandments? Because that's what it seems like he's doing, but he's not actually. He's not contradicting it at all because here's why Jesus could say what he said. He could say it, but not because he was taking away the need for punishment, but because he was taking the punishment. The reason Jesus could seemingly contradict this idea of punishment is not because he took away the need for punishment. That's true. Justice is needed, but he actually took the punishment. So justice could be fulfilled, and in God's greatest act and display of goodness that happened on the cross, he was both just and good. I mean, what could be more good than a perfectly holy and just God that needs to punish sin, taking all the sin of the entire world, your sin and mine, your worst secrets and sin, the smallest, the biggest, all of them, and putting it on him. Scripture tells us as Jesus became sin for us, and then he died And he paid all the just, righteous penalty for every imperfection, injustice, and sin. 
Every single one. And you know what happened as a result? As a result, all sin has been paid for. Past, present, future. Your past, worst sin, your future sins, it's all been paid for. So Jesus didn't take away the need for punishment. He took the punishment. And in that act of justice, his goodness was shown. And in that act of goodness, his justice was shown. So he didn't contradict the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled them and he took the punishment for them so that we could understand in one of the greatest moments in human history, God is just. Yes, he is. But God is good. He is so good. And because he's good, he's not looking to punish people because he's taking it on himself. And in that, when we, this is where that word comes in, repent and understand who he is, what he's done, we will find life in that and understand that sin no longer needs to be punished because it's all been punished already. And if we trust him, our sin has already been punished because Jesus went to the cross. It's phenomenal. And that's why Jesus could do that. Listen to this beautiful explanation of it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's the law? Well, the Ten Commandments is the foundation of the law, but it's the religious law, God's law. What's the curse of the law? The punishment that is attached to it, the condemnation, the judgment that's attached to it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. Is there any greater act of goodness that could ever be? I mean, it's incredible. The display of goodness that Jesus showed on the cross. This is why he's saying, hey, you think God is trying and wanting to punish sin? No, no, no. He's already punished it. It's all punished. He's not wanting to punish sin. It's already punished. Listen to this beautiful description. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. And look at the beauty of the good God that he is. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. We can have peace, not worried about, oh no, I messed up. Is God going to punish? No, no, no. It's, he's already punished. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Here's the deal. This is so important. Sin, all sin, every single sin has already been paid for. It's already been paid for. It's already been done. The punishment for sin doesn't need to be poured out for sin anymore because it was poured out once for all on the cross, all of it. So next time you go, uh-oh, this happened. What did I do wrong? Why is God punishing me? What I'd love for you to think is to think, oh, this went wrong. Wait a minute. My punishment has already happened on Jesus. It's already happened. Maybe this is a natural disaster. Maybe this is the evil of the world. Maybe this is the broken world because God's already punished it. That's not how it works. Next time somebody says to you that when something bad happens and, God, and they say, well, God's punishing them for their evil, I'd love for you to say, and maybe not out loud because I don't want you to get into an argument, but at the right time, maybe out loud. 
at least in your own heart, when, when you hear someone say, that disaster happened because God's punishing evil people, here's what I want you to say, no. You know why? Because God's already punished evil people on the cross. He's already done it. Next time you hear 9-11 was God's punishment on the rebellion, rebellious of, rebellion of America. That he's, he's punishing the rebellion of America. I want you to say, no, he's already punished the rebellion of America on the cross. And that's why it's so important what Jesus said next. He says, unless you repent, unless you change your mind to understand the goodness of God, you're also going to face death. But if you understand the goodness, if you understand who God really is, unless you change your mind about who he really is, get a new view, get my understanding of God, Jesus would say, if you have that, you will find life and hope and peace, even in this broken world. Why? Because Jesus has already taken the punishment for sin. So here's the point of today. The point of today is this, that there is a false narrative that says that God is an angry judge who wants to punish you for your sin in this life and the next. The God Jesus knows is not an angry judge. He is just. Don't get that wrong. He is just. He must be. But the justice has already been met. And his goodness was shown on the cross like never before. And it overcame, not overcame, but it married with justice and showed this beautiful, perfect God who is just, but he's so good. He can show love and justice at the same time because he has taken the punishment for sin already. The God Jesus knows is good. He's so good in the middle of a broken world. He entered into the broken world. He faced the punishment that they faced. He died at the hands of the same person that these people died at. He's so good. What if we could know that when we face pain and suffering, when we have questions? What if we could know that he's good? What if we could rest in that reality? Wouldn't you want to follow a God like that? Wouldn't you want to trust a God like that? That's the God that Jesus knows. So let, let, me, let me poke around a little in our hearts now, because how do, do I really believe that? Well, maybe. Let me ask you some questions. If you obey God, does he bless you? Some questions, just to wrestle around with this idea of God, you know, punishes for bad, and if you sin or do something wrong, if you're unfaithful, does he punish you? If things go well in your life, is that God blessing you for something good you've done? If things go poorly, is that God punishing you for something you've done wrong? According to Jesus, no. <laughs> you know why? Because he took the punishment and he offered the blessing. Not based on anything we do. Because if it was based on all of us, we deserve justice. We deserve punishment. All of us. Every single one of us. Because we don't measure up to the perfection of who he is. But in Christ... When I've changed my mind about who he is and accepted this beautiful, good God of who he is, then my blessing comes because of him. My lack of punishment is then is no longer there because of him. That's the picture. That's why he's going, hey, 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 can you change your mind? Can you see him in a different way? Can you repent? Because if, if you repent, if you see him in a different way, you find life in him. It is beautiful. Even in the brokenness of this world, even when bad things happen, 
Is that God punishing? No, 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 no. We live in a broken world. And Jesus entered into that brokenness as well to show us that he's good, that he's good. Because God is not an angry judge who wants to punish sin in this life and the next. He is a good God who has already taken the punishment for sin and wants to offer us life and love and hope and peace and goodness. That's who he is. But, but, in your life and in my life, it doesn't really matter what Jesus says, does it? It matters what we believe because our lives are based on what we believe. So the question today is, do you believe that? Jesus clearly does. I mean, he went to the cross to prove it. Question is, do I believe it? Because I'm gonna operate when I sin, when I face problems, when something bad happens, that's when it's gonna, do I really believe that? And that's the question for today. Uh, just to end, I want to read one more scripture. And the reason I want to do that, that's the point of today. But I want to give us, um, do my best to give us some moments in this week to try and think about this and ask ourselves the question, what do I believe? And give some space for the goodness of God to be a reality. And here's why I want to do it. Because last week I expressed that we need to build muscle memory around some of this stuff. Because our muscle memory sometimes says, oh, God's punishing me. That's where the muscle memory goes. So I wanna give us some space to build some muscle memory. So I wanna give you an exercise to practice. And it's kind of based on the scripture. Psalm 46, verse one, let me read it. And I love it because it gets to the point in verse 10. I'm gonna read just three verses. It says this, verse one, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's who he is. And then the next verse gives us the worst case scenario you could ever see in your entire life. That's what he says. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Now, now I don't know, unless an asteroid hits this world, I don't know how that could happen. <laughs> the earth give way. In other words, what he's saying is the worst possible thing that's ever happened in your whole life, nothing else compares, the whole earth has given way, it's gone. It's, the mountains fell in the sea, it's all gone. It's all messed, everything's dead, everything's wrong. In that, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And he keeps talking, and then in verse 10, he says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. In whatever circumstance you're facing, be still and know that I am God. The question is, what kind of God do I know him to be? Is he angry? Is that the God you believe in? Is he looking for ways to punish and judge? If we just slip up and mess up, is that the God? According to Jesus, no. No, that's not who he is. He's a good God who showed his goodness by taking punishment, being just and good. He's saying, if you can just know this, you'll find life. So here's what I'd love for us to do this week. Can you take five minutes, five days this week and be still? Five minutes, five days this week and just be quiet, thinking about the goodness of God. And if you struggle, like, what am I supposed to think about? I don't think that. What do I think? Think about Jesus going to the cross. Can you just be still and think about the goodness of God? Because he says, be still and know that I am God. God, according to Jesus, is not an angry judge looking to see when he can punish you in this life and the next. He's a good God who went so far in his goodness that he took our sin and our punishment, and he offers us life, and he says, can you believe that? If you change your mind about who I am, you'll find life in that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the incredible message of Jesus. Thank you for the incredible act of the cross. 
And God, thank you that you are just. But thank you that you're not just looking and an angry judge trying to judge. Thank you that you're good. You're so good. And if we could see you that way, it would change everything about how we relate to you and how we navigate brokenness in this world and how we navigate a relationship with you. Would you help us know the God Jesus knows? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.